Welcome to Teacher Pop, a podcast where teachers discuss pop culture topics and how they can apply to teaching in the classroom. I'm your host, Jordan Billings, a seventh grade social studies teacher who loves being in the classroom and talking about all things pop culture. Let's get into today's topic. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Teacher Pop. Really excited. This one's kind of been in the making a little bit, ready to go. But we have the amazing Jamie Halsey with us today. Jamie, welcome to the show. So glad to be here. I'm excited. Yay. And today we are talking about the Star Wars movie, the first one, Star Wars, A New Hope. Yes, episode four. Episode four. So, um, Jamie, will you walk us through a little bit of backstory. I feel like, again, I, I know we always talk about spoilers on this show, and I feel like with this movie coming out in the 70s and with it having so much media saturation, I really feel like we don't need to. I will say we are going to spoil the movie. If you haven't seen Star Wars, please go see it. It's awesome. Yeah, I I, I don't feel bad if I'm spoiling it for someone no, because I, it's kind of their own fault. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Okay, so Jamie, go ahead, take us through the story. Okay, so basically it's the first part of a hero's journey. So we have Luke Skywalker, he's a reluctant farmer and he's basically challenged to join the Rebel Alliance after the death of his family. And he ends up partnering up with a pair of droids, a smuggler, a Wookiee, a princess, and an old Jedi to learn the force and defeat Darth Vader in the Galactic Empire. That is like one of the best summaries of, of A New Hope that I think I have ever heard that's oh, awesome so on point <laughs> so um as we're talking about this we're going to be delving into a lot of stuff so i will ask do you have kind of like a favorite scene or a favorite quote that um really kind of speaks to you in that movie i have two i have okay. both i have one of each if you would like to hear it yes okay so my favorite scene is the opening scene because as soon all you see is just a ship fleeing some some gunfire right right but that's not the interesting part the interesting part is the giant ship behind it chasing it that just takes over the entire screen and it takes your breath away yes. so i love that scene it just gives me chills and i remember seeing it as a kid and just being like oh what is that it's so huge and scary <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, one thing I love about that, and a lot of people have really taken a look at that particular scene from a like, you know, a, a cinema, like cinematography, cinemagraphic. To, yeah, I think either one. Right. From one of those perspectives. And, and they say that that one scene, it kind of encapsulates the entire process of the movie within a couple of minutes. You know, the Rebel Alliance, small, running away from this empire that's huge. And within just that moment, it's set the audience up to know exactly what to expect. It's a David and Goliath kind of a story, you know? I mean, exactly. Yeah. So I love that. And, you know, I think about that in terms of teaching because, you know, a lot of times now they, it does give a backstory. So, so, you know, for those of us, you know, as we're watching the beginning of episode four, it actually does go through and it gives us a little bit of story. You know, it is a period of civil war, um, you know, rebel alliance, you know, rebel spaceships are striking from a hidden outpost. So they give us a, a little bit of that. So they do give us some, some background, but now I'm thinking as the teacher perspective, um, like what is something um, that you do in class that's something kind of like that, something that just like 
gets kids set up for something very kind of quickly, maybe even non-verbally? You know what I'm thinking to me, I, I think of it as like that hook to a lesson. Yeah. So the hook is kind of like you see the initial ship, you see some firing, don't really know what's going on. And then all of a sudden this looming uh, spaceship comes to view. So like just kind of hooking the kids into the lesson and then you kind of lay it out and then it's like, boom, and it hits the kids and they're like, <gasps> and it kind of takes their breath away. So that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, or, you know, could be related also to if you have a gamified classroom and kind of giving kids those nuggets. Um, and then it creates something bigger. So that was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. I mean, having, having those little things that lead into something bigger. Um, yeah, having those, those things where, you know, and, and it could even be as simple as even something like, you know, having uh, like cryptic instructions on the board or something exactly. like that. Like, wouldn't it be crazy to be kind of like you'd come in and your your teacher instructions on the board are like, you know, like danger is ahead. Take all your materials and get under your desk. And like, what is happening? Like, all of a sudden you, you have this kind of like interesting setting that gets kids enthralled. It's that hook that gets kids excited to be there and something different. So it's not you know, the, yeah. the deal. Yeah. I did something similar because I have these little daily slides that I kind of put up that help guide me through the lesson. And mm -hmm. on one of them, it looked like a normal slide for math, but it had a picture of the Millennium Falcon on it. And they're like, why is that Millennium Falcon there? And it's like, oh, I wonder why it's there. And I'm like, Do you, should I click on it? I don't know. And so they're like, yes. So then I click on it and then it leads into a review game. So again, like you were saying, these little cryptic things, these things to unlock or uncover, um, just really gets the kids engaged and excited. I love that. Okay. So, um, I, okay. So you said you had two, so we've got our favorite scene. What's our next? My favorite quote. It is somebody has to save our skins into the garbage shoot flyboy uttered by none other than Princess Leia herself. Mm. And here's why. Okay, so fast forward through the movie, they're gonna go rescue the princess, but Princess Leia. Princess Leia doesn't need to be rescued. She takes over her own rescue and pretty much it's, it's female empowerment at its best. Oh, and I love Luke, but he's so whiny throughout the whole thing. Yeah. She's, the, she's the strong one. Yes. I mean, you think about that. I mean, she's, she, I mean, even think about in that first scene when you have where the, the starship is under attack and then it gets, you know, shot to where the main reactors lost. So they're kind of like drifting in space a little bit and they have soldiers that are trying to protect and whatnot. So you think about this, like you, so you're the princess, right? Your ship has been boarded by, you know, these enemy troops and things like that. And her just, I mean, her poise and her power as she's coming in and like, you know, the, the first thing, I mean, and like, there are people that are even cowering. I mean, there's that one, you know, guy that, that is captured by Darth Vader and, you know, he's like, what have you done with these plans? And he's like, you know, we've intercepted no transmission and he's all freaked out. And then like, you know, here comes Princess Leia after and she's like, Darth Vader, only you would be so bold. Like, really, you're the guy that's doing this. I'm a, I am a senator from the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. 
Like she's not phased at all. And not I love all. that you're saying that. And I she, mean, yeah, she's not the least bit intimidated by her or Grand Moff Tarkin. She's like, oh, you're the one holding Vader's leash. Yes. Oh, yeah. and including that, what's that line? She did? like, I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Like, yeah. and I mean, she's been in like, I mean, they've imprisoned her. Like, yeah. she's been trapped. And like, the only thing that breaks her a little bit is when they're saying that like, we're going to use this destructive power on your home planet. That's the only time that she's like, well, okay, wait a minute. Hang on. Hold on. Yeah. We have no weapons, no nothing. Like, right. that is... But like, it takes that level of a threat to get her to like move away from her poison anyway. And I think that that's absolutely true. I love that female empowerment. I do too. I just, yeah. And again, like, you know, as a little girl, when I watched it, I was like, what? This is awesome. I love Princess Leia. She's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so as I was kind of taking a look at this, um, so I, I loved, um, in, in one of these scenes. So this is like, as, as Luke Skywalker has, um, has found Obi-Wan Kenobi. So we'll, I guess, go back a, a little bit to where, um, you know, the, the starship's been destroyed or, or at least, um, has been captured and the droids, uh, of C-3PO and R2-D2, um, have, these plans that Princess Leia is given that need to get to the Rebel Alliance. They go down to the planet of Tatooine and then they're lost in the desert for a while. And then they're found by these Jawas that then sell them to um, uh, the uh, Lars family. So Owen, Baru, and then Luke uh, being, you know, their nephew. And so they kind of escape and um, they're, they keep looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's like, I've never heard of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's this guy, Ben Kenobi. She's like, it is the same last name. Yeah. So like, right, like we would know. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, so then, you know, R2-D2's got the plans, escapes, ends up, um, you know, finding Obi-Wan in the desert after some battles of some Tusken Raiders. Uh, and then he, um, Obi-Wan ends up, as he's talking to Luke about stuff, he's telling him about his father. And he's going through and he's like, you know, oh, my father was a navigator on a spice fair. And he's like, no, your father was not. He was a Jedi Knight just like me. And he even has the, your father wanted you to have this. And he pulls out his father's lightsaber and gives it to him. And he talks about, you know, Vader and being seduced by the dark side of the force. And then um, at one point, Luke looks at him and he goes, the force. And the favorite part that I love is the definitive, the definition that Obi-Wan gives for the force, which is a force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. Those like two sentences of description takes this humongous complex idea of a force that controls the universe. And within like two sentences, he's described it to where you were like, I I fully understand what you're talking about. Like I oh, yeah. absolutely get it. And I think about that as like an amazing teacher moment that, that people can have to where we take, we, we spend our days taking complex ideas and boiling them down to where students can have those like two sentence, here you go. Exactly. And, you know, really, um, you know, the learning is kind of the thing that binds us all together, right? It binds okay. a class together. And, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, he doesn't, he's not the sage on the stage. He's a, he guides, right? No. He, he, he preaches, but he, or he, he doesn't really preach at the kids. He, he doesn't dom, kids. 
I'm, I'm trying to, he's right. a teacher. And, yeah. But he, he, he really is. In a engineering way. He's guiding, he's a guiding force. And he yes. leads Luke to on the journey. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he'll throw out the, you know, advice of stuff every now and then. And, you know, think about, um, you know, when, when you have to where, um, you know, Obi-Wan's decided to go and try to get R2-D2 to the Alliance. And he's even trying to tell Luke, he's like, you should learn the ways of the Force before you're going to come with me. And Luke's like, I can't come with you. Like, I've got to stay and do a lot of stuff. And he's like, well, you have to do what you feel is right. He doesn't force him to, to do that and say, you know, no you you are a skywalker this is you know because this has been one of those for for those of us that can even jump into the the prequel stuff and whatever like he's been here like obi-wan's entire purpose for the last like you know 25 years or whatever has been to watch over luke yeah. and, to, and to you know watch him and to guide him and things like that and when it comes around time that like that would be the time to do stuff he really kind of lays back and let Luke take the lead. And then he kind of throws in on stuff. And I think that, again, that's an amazing thing for us as a teacher to keep in mind that we do, we have all this knowledge and things like that. But, you know, again, just like Obi-Wan, step back a little bit and let students discover these lessons themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And so and together you can kind of create this, this knowledge together. And exactly. you give him the tool, right? So Obi-Wan bestows him uh, this wonderful lightsaber, right? The elegant weapon. Um, yeah. And uh, and then let's see what he does with it, right? So. Exactly. He just, and, and it's not like, you know, he he's done, you know, to where he's taking, he's like, hey, look, here's mine. Let's, let's you know, these yeah. are the saber positions and stuff like that. Um but, uh, you know, I think that that also, when you look at Obi-Wan's teaching method, remember, this is a Jedi master who has had different Padawans in the past. And he's actually been pretty invested in teaching the ways of the Jedi. And, you know, he poured into Luke's father. And, you know, again, I guess, spoiler alert, the Luke's yeah, now we're spoiling the prequels. Youch, here we go. It doesn't so, work. <laughs> there we go. We did say spoilers, but hey. So, um, but like you, you have Obi-Wan who's pouring into, you know, like Anakin to try to teach him all of these things. And, and like, you think about some of these things, like, for example, we just mentioned the whole um, lightsaber thing. You really only see one lightsaber lesson with, you know, Obi-Wan and Luke. And it's um, eventually when they do decide that they are going to go and they they charter a ship, the Millennium Falcon, that is um, captained by Han Solo, the amazing smuggler, and Chewbacca, the first mate. And I feel like before we get too far into it, I do have to say, um, are, are we in agreement that um, Han shot first? Are Absolutely. We? I think we are. I think. Yeah. Han, yeah. I don't even think it's an argument. I don't think it is. I think Han shot first. I just felt like as going he through the story. Of course, if you saw the first movie. <laughs> exactly. Like you can't. And like, he would. He would shoot first. Would That's shoot. in his character. It is. <laughs> it, it is absolutely in his character. Okay. So anyway, so as as you know, Han Solo and and Chewbacca, they've they've loaded onto the ship, the Millennium Falcon. They're they're going. They have a kind of like escape of of the ships. They're off. And, uh, and it's time for a little bit of training. And, you know, we see Obi-Wan at one point, he pulls out a lightsaber 
like to save Luke at one point, but it was very much in this very fast. And it's, you know, he kind of like, he stands there for a second just to make sure, puts away his lightsaber instantly, you know, not, not a big deal. And then you could imagine that, I mean, if you, if you look at Obi-Wan in the like prequels and his service in the Clone Wars and things like that, I mean, this is a, this is an expert swordsman. Yeah. Fully expert, but yet he's not teaching Luke that way. He, he's teaching Luke in a very, like, in, in almost this very passive way, because I feel like from some of those, I guess we're digging into the prequels just a little bit, is that, is that, you know, you, you have, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Yoda that have gone through and served through the Clone Wars, and they've seen that the method of how you teach a Jedi is very important. And so because of that, instead of, you know, having this Clone Wars to the focus of the Jedi to say, well, you have to focus on your saber techniques, you're focusing on your force powers, like you have to be, you know, strong in order to defeat these armies and things like that. And they've gone so far away. The one time that you see Luke, as he's doing stuff, it's very much, it's very defensive mm -hmm. as, as he's teaching him. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing to see the teaching technique change from early Obi-Wan to later Obi-Wan. Right. And it's really about upholding peace yes. across the galaxy. It's not, it's not, it is a naturally defensive position and they favor self-discipline. You know, that's definitely a tenet of the Jedi. So you're not going to be flashy and violent. Mm -hmm. You're going to be you know, if you need to use your power, then you use your power. But other than that, um, unless you're using it for force of good, then you're not a Jedi, really. Then you're on the dark side. And, you know, I think that that's kind of, we can now, like, we can think about some of the things that like, how we do things in the classroom, I think has a lot of power to how we, how we do things too. The, the methods of how we teach. Um, can show just as much as us teaching the, the rote knowledge. Absolutely. And I think too, it, it speaks to the culture of the classroom, right? Absolutely. Um, so building that positive culture, um, you know, one where students work together and, you know, mistakes are, are welcomed and celebrated. And, you know, it's about the, the growth and the process um, not necessarily the end game, right? It's yeah. the, the process is the, the learning. Yes. And so that's where, and you know, he has this, you know, in that lightsaber training, you know, Obi-Wan isn't necessarily training him of like, this is the proper way to, to hold a lightsaber. And, you know, these are the, you know, block positions and things like that. You know, his, his, focus on that is more of the, you need to be connected to the force and you need to, you know, get to really what you're talking about. And then he has that, you know, one moment where, you know, cause it's blasting him and whatever. And then right. kind of like, he does the, put the blast shield on and he's like, well, I can't see and things like that. And he goes, your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. You need to shut off your senses. You need to look at, you know, cut out all the distractions and what is that one thing? And I know that, I mean, that's something I know that I've done to, to students. I haven't like put a blast shield down and like, right. and I guess right. I should probably you have to put it, the metaphorical blast shield on, right? And yes. And to say here, you're, you're distracted by all of these other things. 
just take a look at this and give me and, and give me your thoughts and to say, right. well, you know, I think this and say, you know what, that's the right answer. And that's great. And then they feel that success. And there's that line from Obi-Wan afterwards where Luke gets really proud and he goes, you know, I could actually almost see the remote. And he goes, that's mm -hmm. good. You've taken your one step into a much larger world. Mm -hmm. And I love those things like that because he emphasized the learning where he's like, that's good. You've taken your step. There is a much larger world to do, but celebrate, celebrate your accomplishments as a learner. And I think that's great. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so um, taking a look, are there any other lessons? We've been talking, I know a lot about these and we've been kind of going in sequence, but um, anything that, that you're thinking in terms of lessons that we can be pulling from Star Wars to help us as teachers? You know, I one thing um, I really love just about the whole Star Wars universe is the brilliant kind of partnerships that happen. You know, yes. you got your Han and Chewie, you got your C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, you got even Grand Moff Tarkin and Vader, right? You got your partnerships. Um, and, you know, I just think those characters are just so interesting in the way that they connect together. Um, and I'm not sure how that relates to teaching, but I don't know. I just, it's just so classic and so Fantastic. I don't know where I'm going with it, but <laughs> you know what? I I I feel like I'm gonna maybe see if I can kind of uh, pull something <laughs> in there because I, I feel like because I, I I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying is that like the the relationships and how they're forged are really important. And I think that there's a thing that we talk about. We talked about relationships in the classroom all the time and how important it is to to forge those because you, you think that like even sometimes in the beginning when you think about. Um, like Luke and Han Solo, the first time that they meet and, and whatnot, that like they, they're agreeing on the price for this ferry, this, you know, getting them to Alderaan. And he's like, well, you know, it's going to be 10,000. Luke's like 10,000, we could buy a ship for that. <laughs> and in the very Han, he's like, who's going to fly it? You? And he goes, you bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot. Like, so they almost start with that adversarial thing. And even like, he's making fun of the Millennium Falcon. At one point, Luke's like, this is a piece of junk. Yes. And, and Han is like, uh, she'll make 0.5 past light speed. Like, yeah. back off. <laughs> this is the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. That's like, exactly it. Yes. the Millennium Falcon. And like, and then they sort of grow together in this process that like, you know, it, we'll fast forward a little bit so that like, so they're, they've done that, that mission. They, they're going to Alderaan, they find out it's been destroyed, they get um, trapped in the Death Star, and they dress up as stormtroopers, and they're trying to, you know, hide away, and then that's where they find out that Princess Leia is on the Death Star, and, you know, Han Solo's like, well, you know, at first he's kind of like, you know, I'd prefer a straight fight to all this sneaking around, Right. and Luke's like, well, let's go save the princess, and he's like, well, I'm not going to do that. And he's yeah. like, you just said that you'd prefer a fight. And he goes, I'm not going to prison. I'm not yeah. marching into the detention area. And so like, again, it's good buddies. But then all of a sudden they have that shared experience of where they break into the prison. And um, I will tell you that if you really want, so we're, we're recording this in the pandemic. And I feel like there are so many of us in Zoom that can so identify with Han Solo in that scene where they're in and he's like, you know, all the blasters happened and he's like, everything's under control, situation normal. Like what happened? 
we had a slight weapons malfunction, but everything is yeah. fine. We're good. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that we could all identify with that, like one particular moment, but then like you have that. And then you have, um, you know, Luke that's trying to rescue the princess and then they get trapped. And then the scene that you had mentioned where Leia actually saves them, like somebody's got to do something. Let's right. go. Then they're and, in the trash compactor. Oh, the trash compactor. Yes. I mean, <laughs> then trying to With figure. an unknown creature. <laughs> yes. And then trying to. The, under the surface. <laughs> you know, but we, but like, and it's amazing that all of those things, I mean, you see, and then right after that, you get into like where their relationship changes a little bit to where like there's a little bit more like respect among them and it's like it's watching a friendship grow in real time yeah it's really cool and i do i think about that i think about the relationships and things that we forge in the in the classroom and it, and it's based on those experiences that we have as teachers and students but you know not having that you know who's gonna fly it kid you kind of mentality having you know it's the you know everything's under control situation normal <laughs> exactly so um one scene that i did kind of want to talk about a little bit was um the it's a it's a little known reference and it talks about the imperial stormtroopers okay and this is where um there's a line that obi-wan has where the jawas have been shot up and and um Luke's like, well, this has to be Tuscan Raiders and all this kind of stuff. And, and Obi-Wan's like, I don't think so. If you take a look at this and he goes, and these blast marks are too accurate for, um, uh, Tusk for Raiders, only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. But then on that Death Star that we just talked about, so they're escaping, you know, they've gotten out of the trash compactor, they're running around, they're trying to find the ship and stuff like that. And it seems like the Stormtroopers cannot hit the broadside of a barn. Like, they're like shooting everywhere, like, and they cannot seem to hit them. And then there's a, there's a line that Moff Tarkin has where they escape. So they're, you know, stormtroopers shooting at them. They end up leaving. And, um, and then Moff Tarkin's like, you have the, tra you have the tracking device on their ship, right? And he goes, I'm taking an awful risk. This better work. And then they go so the millennium falcon's flying away and this is a this is like the death star and i mean it's it is the size of a small moon there yes. have to be hundreds of tie fighter support ships and how many do they send four right and that's where like then they escape and they go through and even leia's like they let us go yeah they had to do that and you wonder that had to be like by design, yet nowadays, it is a common cultural fact that stormtroopers can't hit the broadside of a barn. Right. And yet you wonder if like, that didn't seem to be the original intent. The original intent was like, well, they were letting them escape so they could find the rebel base. And it makes me think about how kids can take lessons that we teach them in like completely different directions. Oh, for sure. Yeah, sometimes that there, yeah, you teach a lesson and then there's kind of these, uh, these other things that kind of pop up and these unintended consequences, either good or bad, right? As you're teaching the lesson and they uncover things that, that you hadn't thought of and it can, it can flip on a dime. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll wrap, I, I think we have a couple more things and then we'll, we'll see if we have any other scenes we need to talk about. 
Um, I'm, I'm thinking about as we're, we're getting ready. So, um, so the Millennium Falcons escaped They're with the rebel Alliance. They find that there is this like slim chance of how to destroy the death star. And they're like, it's like almost impossible to do. You have to fly down this like one trench. So you have to get to the trench. You have to fly down it. There are all of these gun emplacements all over the place. And then at a particular point, you have to shoot a proton torpedo down a like a thermal exhaust port that goes down into the main port and then will blow up the Death Star if you can manage to do that. And so as they're trying to do this, so then this we're getting to the final space battle with all these little support craft, nothing nearly as big as what we've seen before. And they even say that like, well, you know, the Death Star is designed to destroy capital ships and things like that, little baby ships, that that's the only way you're going to get in. And oddly enough, that's what the Rebel Alliance is mostly equipped with. So kind right. of for them. And so as they're going through, you know, they, they have some people that have been trying to maneuver down the trench. They're either getting blown up by Vader, who's flying around, or they get, you know, blown up by the, you know, gun emplacements and stuff like that. So Luke is now in, an, in his X-Wing fighter getting into this, like, last hope. And as he's going, he can hear Obi-Wan's voice in his head saying, use the force, trust me. And all of them have been using targeting computers in order to be precise because they're like, it's almost impossible for you to hit that thing just by guessing. And so you have to have the targeting computer. And so he turns the targeting computer off and everybody's like, whoa, Luke, you turned off your targeting computer. Is everything okay? And he's like, I'm fine. But he had to shut that off to be able to listen, feel the force, and to be able to um, take his shot. And I think about that a little bit now because we're teachers in this pandemic and we have been so focused on computer technology and things like that. And sometimes I wonder if we need to take our time to turn off our targeting computer and just like listen to our students, let them achieve and things like that. I agree. Yeah. You know, I'm, my situation right now is I'm uh, in a hybrid. So students uh, come in for two and a half hours. I have two groups of students that come in. Um, and then the other part of the day, they are um, online working through independent tasks. And, um, and honestly, like they crave paper and pencil type things. They crave hands-on uh, types of learning experiences because, you know, at the start of the year, we were fully um, digital. And of course, the end of last year, there was no in-person schooling. And so, you know, I think they really, um, they need that, that time. So I think anytime we can, you know, have a maybe have a balance right where you have you know the technology which you know is phenomenal and you know we, we wouldn't be able to do this if we didn't have it um, no we would not but at the same time though you know it, it's really like anytime you can you can put in some lessons that don't involve the computer and turn it off and uh let them kind of guide you and uh you know and listen to them like if they crave that give it to them right or or also just going to social emotional learning too you know listening to what they need they need those social interactions they need discussion time you know 
and you know whether they're talking about something learning related or not you know it's it's they're separated and they need that socialization oh i couldn't agree more and and you know as as you're getting those kids together to to talk and i, I love that you were even like sometimes it may be beneficial to take those five minutes 10 minutes and whatever to really just do like a just do a temperature check how you guys doing like yeah you know what what's our you know what kind of what's what's our stresses like what's what's kind of going on with with life as as we're living it right now right um, and and letting those kids have the opportunity to talk it out that is a great example of you know switch off your computer and take a look around see see what's going on and you're right in the way of right now we're very dependent on technology for doing just basic things right now and it's just it, it's been a lifesaver i know that a lot of us have thought like if if this was happening when like we were in middle school i i don't know i mean i don't know how teachers would have been able to do it without the tools that we have right now yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I think it would just be a series of packet pickups. <laughs> like that probably would... that's exactly what's happening in my head. I was like, they're probably just yeah. You would have yeah. You have to get in your car, you know, once a week or whatever, and either do some porch drop offs or school pickups or whatever. But really, there wouldn't be any interaction with the teacher. Yeah, and then there's yeah. that social emotional right there. That then even sometimes just having those talks with kids, you know, um, like. You know, how you play, you know, are you liking the new season of Fortnite these days? Are you, you know, um, like what games are you playing right now? What are you reading right now? You right. Know, all of that kind of stuff. You know, what TV shows are you checking out? And and having those, having those conversations with kids. And now we've gone back to that, you know, building relationships and and getting to know your kids. And and it's definitely not an easy task these days, but it's that that task worth doing. Oh, it is. And, you know, honestly, you build that relationship with a student and, you know, they'll move mountains for you. They'll put the, uh, the targeting computer away and they'll put yeah. their, their blast shield on and they'll have total faith in you and they will let, let you guide them. Right. Um, they're, they're in it, in it to win it. If, if you have a good relationship with them. So are there, um, are there any, uh, like don'ts that you would, um, that you would think of when you think of Star Wars? Yes, I have several. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So my first one is these are not the droids you're looking for. And the reason why I picked that was because, you know, you don't, uh, you don't want to fall for those like Jedi mind tricks right? Don't doubt yourself as a teacher. This is a really hard time right now. Yeah. And it's really easy to kind of get down in the dumps and think, oh, this is terrible. This is a terrible situation. How could I possibly get through this? How can my students get through this? And, you know, it's really hard to fight off that doubt. Um, you know, and I think it's just remembering that, you know, we're, we are all struggling right now. We're all in this pr predicament. Um, and that you know you're not alone um and you know when you you get that doubt whether we had COVID or not you know it's right. it's easy as a teacher it doesn't matter how long you've been teaching you always have this uncertainty because you you know it's such a personal profession and you yeah. want to do well by the kids you you make such an impact on them i mean i i know we all have those teachers 
that really made an impact on us, good or bad. And so, you know, it's just personal and you want to do a good job. And, um, you know, and the kids, you they mean so much to us, right? So, like, you know, that's what I would say. Don't fall for the Jedi mind trick. Don't fall for the Jedi. Yeah. Don't fall for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's one. Okay. And then my other one is um, George Lucas and his hands. He's always cutting off the hands throughout the entire um, series. Uh-huh. And here's my thing with that. That is the same trick, different day. Don't get stuck in a rut. <laughs> Don't yes. keep cutting off the hands. <laughs> if I see another hand off, I'm going <laughs> to... We're done. I love that. Oh, quit, that's, yes. Quit cutting them off. <laughs> exactly. Don't uh, like, I'm loving that in a couple of ways that like, I happen to know that I, um, as I'm having classroom conversations, you get excited as a teacher when you know where a kid is going somewhere and they have a correct answer. And you're like, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm like, oop, don't cut off. Yeah. Let them, <laughs> let them finish and let them again, have that moment again, like Obi-Wan. That's great. You've now stepped into this much larger world. Here you go. Um, but yes, it's, and it's very like, I think the teachers always have that balance of systemically wanting to be like efficient, but then also what you're saying, which is the getting in, getting in a rut, not willing to kind of like change things up, you know, every, every week or so you're trying something different or whatever, you know, and, and not, you know, maybe off the wall different, but yeah, don't, yeah. Don't get yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So one thing I, I think we'll maybe kind of look at this as like maybe our, our denouement. So um, we have uh, we have Luke. He's he's now shot and he's destroyed the Death Star. And all of this is happening that like Obi-Wan has got this thing in his head where he's like, you know, the force will be with you always. He's kind of hearing these things that um, that his mentor has told him, you know, these little nuggets of wisdom, you know, use the force, trust. Um, the force will be with you always. These little things that his teacher gave him that constantly go back. Now, we don't necessarily have force wielding powers and things like that, but um, I think it speaks to really good teaching that um, you, good teachers and mentors never truly leave you. And it's amazing how that one sentence, the force will be with you always, those one that sometimes that one sentence that you say to a kid really can stick with them far after they have left your classroom for the day, for the week, for the year even. For sure, you know, and and again, you know, those things that we repeat, you know, like one of the things we talk a lot about, we've talked a little bit here on the podcast, but just, you know, celebrating those mistakes, you know, when you're making a mistake, it just shows that you're trying and you're growing and you're building dendrites and, you know, if you, if you did everything correctly, you're not really learning anything. You've already, you already know that, you know? So the fact that, you know, maybe you don't know the answer right away or all of that, or you make a mistake, it's just proof that you're trying more and you're growing. And so, you know, and again, that, that'll carry you through life, right? Oh, a hundred percent. And again, it's that lifelong learning. I know that um, we haven't necessarily said that on this episode, but lifelong learning is such a big deal. You demonstrate it to kids. You demonstrate that you're not in a rut. You're trying new things. And then when you say like, well, try something new, even when it's tough, you get to speak from a position of strength. 
and saying, I have been trying these things. Right. And look at this thing that we did. And it, that lesson two days ago completely flopped, right? Yeah. And, you know, so showing that vulnerability and showing, you know, it, no one's perfect. Teacher, the teacher isn't perfect. But, uh, but what, we, what we can do is we can grow from it and become better people. Exactly. I think that is a fantastic cherry on the top of this amazing podcast. Jamie, thank you so much for being on. I'm looking forward to going through the other Star Wars movies as oh we are available. Yes, I, I will be ready with my notepad and some, some notes here. And uh, we'll just analyze the heck out of those. It sounds like a lot of fun. I loved it. So fun. Awesome. Yay. Um, before, um, if people are looking to find you, um, how do they locate you? Uh, Twitter is the best place, and I am at Mrs. Jamie Halsey on Twitter. Okay, and I'll be putting that in the uh, show notes for um, for you guys to take a look at. Um, listeners, thank you guys so much for joining us on uh, this journey, and I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode, and until then, take care. <laughs>